Hello and welcome to episode 23 of WTF Anime, the show where uh, probably about half to maybe two-thirds are going to be taken up by Peace Talks. I am, of course, your host, Joe, and joining me as ever is Travis. Hey, what's up, Joe? And hey, guys! Not much. I have gin, so I'm very happy, and I get to talk about anime. So that's good. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going back to stock standard beer, but I had no dinner, so this is gonna. And I've worked a lot, so this is gonna be uh, <laughs> oh, fair no. warning, guys. I know. Fair warning. <laughs> did did we hear a third voice? Was we that did. A thing that we heard. Perhaps. <sighs> so joining us to talk about what the whatever the hell we just watched is uh, <laughs> James Fletcher. James, go ahead and introduce yourself to the people. Hi, I'm uh, James Ledger, long-time listener, first-time caller, <laughs> here to talk about some uh, new mobile Super Report Gundam Wing. That is the full <laughs> title. No one's ever going to call it that, though. Nope. Gundam Wing it is. Yeah. <laughs> or just G-Wing. That's what I took to calling it, because, like, I'm a hip and from the streets. <clears throat> well, yeah, but then you get a, up front and getting into confused with G-Gundam, which is a whole separate thing. Oh, God. There are too many Gundams. <laughs> yeah. We could have talked about that one and talked about, like, weird racist Gundams, but not this time. Oh, man, there should be a band called Too Many Gundams. <laughs> I vote for that now. <laughs> <laughs> there are very too many. There are way too many. Is that the one with the Mexican one? Yes, which is called the Tequila Gundam. I think they may have changed that one for America, though. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks exactly what you'd think like if I said draw a Mexican Gundam. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, got like 90s. bad mariachi weapons and like a sombrero. Yep. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> a cactus patch. <laughs> oh, do better. Do better, Japan. <laughs> oh, it's fine. There's there's enough Gundam going around where they can uh they can make up for their mistakes. Damn Mexican Gundam stealing our our American Gundam's jobs. Trump's we'll build American. a wall. We'll make the Mexican Gundams pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one also. The American Gundam is is a combination football player, surfer, and cowboy. <laughs> and the pilot's name I think is like Chibadaya. It's like Jiminy Cricket, basically. <laughs> Oh, fuck that. Whatever that is, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> it's also the one with the horse Gundam, if you've ever seen, like, GIFs of that. <laughs> so, James, what um series of Gundam and what episode did we watch today? <laughs> okay, so we watched Gun- Gundam Wing, Episode 7, Scenario for Bloodshed. That's a rad-ass title. Maybe not the scenario part, I was just kind of mad. There's a lot that. of, like rad thing names in this. <laughs> like, I, I do I do like the next one, which is like... But we shouldn't talk about that one since it's not happened, not yet. But yeah, so this nah. is this was the... I picked this one be, not because it's the very first Gundam show. That would obviously be Mobile Suit Gundam from 1979. I picked this one because this was the first American Gundam series we ever got, and it was like kind of like a big milestone for anime. It was part of a... Cartoon Network's Toonami block in America, and I think it was like the first original show because like most of it was like rebroadcasts of like Thundercats and Robotech, and that was first. And this was like a big deal. They hyped it up with these promo packages. I should actually send you a link to them because like they are really cool promo packages, like hyping up and like different sh- different parts of the show and like talking about space. They're still really good. And then this also I think launched Adult Swim because like, they started doing like. To, like I think I they called adults in the beginning or not, but they they had like this uncensored Gundam Wing and like uncensored Dragon Ball, which led off and I, eventually would lead to like you know, eventually like stuff like uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force and like Rick and Morty. So definitely kind of weirdly important, even if no one talks about it as much, since it's not quite as important to say like DBZ and uh, Sailor Moon. Obviously, <laughs> if, if this is tangentially responsible for Rick and Morty, I already wholeheartedly approve of everything that's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. Now, I guess it's a- let, let's let's get to me shitting on it. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just just so everyone knows the kind of baseline, obviously, the typical thing of this show is Travis knows nothing about anime 
and I know jack shit about Gundam. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Po- yeah, exactly. Uh, as a kid, like, I picked up some Gunpla kits because they look rad as hell. And, spoilers for later, my favorite one that I ever built was in this episode. And I was like, holy shit, that thing is nice. here. <laughs> um, ah! but yeah, the only exposure I have to Gundam is... Obviously, it's in the anime sphere, so I know that it exists. AMV Hell has a lot of it. And also, I have watched... Uh, I'm up to date on Iron Blood Orphans, which yeah. is a, the latest Gundam show. But, like, I know nothing else apart from those things. So hopefully, James can kind of play the role of coaching us along. <laughs> yeah. I I can do that. I am not a Gundam expert. I haven't watched all the shows, but, like, I watch a bunch Gundam's kind of like Star Trek, where there's like a whole bunch of shows, and like, I think it's like also kind of like the deep, for a while, and I think in anime, like, it'd be the default, if you had like a nerd character, and you need to establish his nerd creds, he'd just like mention something like Gundam, like the same way like someone would like be a Trekkie, if you wanted to be a nerd. (laughs) This is not part of the main timeline, which is like the UC timeline, this is, which stands for Universal Century, this is After Colony 195. Yeah, yeah, I I do have it in my notes that 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 is the date. <laughs> I know that it exists, and I want to talk as little about diverging timelines as possible. So if that that, that can just that be set as a general pretty... rule, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty easy. The only the only Gundam show that like you actually can like you actually talk about like divergence is Zero Zero, where it's like that one's kind of like a like like a future that could happen in our world, but not quite like. Don't don't worry too much about like when like when was zero after colony. I guess they had put up a colony and done. Okay, I'm, I'm already done colony. with that. I've stopped yeah. worrying about it. <laughs> yeah. So Gundam Wing is a show about uh four teenage boys who fight uh, Oz in their like super powered Gundams made out of Gundanium alloy, which is never stops being dumb. No. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, that's right no. up there with unobtainium. On yes, I was of, just of, gonna of say dumb, that. Dumb names. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really only there to establish like this is why they're called Gundam. Some other shows will like it's not the dumbest explanation for why they're called Gundam. I think that would have to go to Seed, where like Gundam is like an acronym that I can't give you. It's something about like God, no, I can't even remember. It's dumb. Seed is really dumb. Let's talk about Wing. So yeah, uh, yeah so this episode is kind of uh, it's. I went with this episode because the first few episodes are kind of slow. They do a lot of setup, introducing the pilots. This is where you kind of get them all... you got to get a convergence of factors, like the pilots. This is the first one where the like, pilots are all in one place at the same time. And they're trying to take out Oz, because Oz is oppressing the colonies. And uh, things don't quite go that way due to manipulations of trays. So, uh, mm. who basically tr- tr- tricks them into uh, killing all like the uh, peaceniks in the Alliance. That's one so thing... Start who. If there's one thing I, as a British person, know, it's about oppressing colonies. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Let's, I guess, kind of get into where the hell do we start off? We start off with random characters who don't get names, <laughs> from my recollection. Yeah, a lot of them are. A lot of them do have names because everyone has a name in this show. But they're kind of they're kind of like the side characters to all the individual Gundam stories. Like, uh, I know we, like, we go to, like, the circus, which Tro is at, because when you're on, like, a secret mission, you want to stay undercover, you go and join the circus. Uh, you get, like, the Maguanakor, he's, like, this, like, rebel army that catches part of him, like, all the Gundam pilots have left to go on this one super important mission. Oh, wait, so the guy that was dressed as a ringmaster was, like, an actual ringmaster? Because I have it in my notes, like, what the fuck? (laughs) What has happened in future fashion that somebody's just... Is this what future ICP fans look like? (laughs) That's what I want to know. Is that that what's happening? He's just a juggalo? No, he's an actual ringmaster, but I guess that's worth bringing up. So, uh, something I guess worth mentioning in the show is the fashion, it's... Weirdly very, like, future Victorian-inspired. Like, particularly a lot of the uh, uniforms look like something out of, like, the French Revolution or maybe World War One. 
Oh, don't worry, I've got a name for everybody. <laughs> I, I pretend not to be super into fashion, but any time like, we're in a futuristic time and it flicks to... I guess, like, futuristic reimaginings of past uh, fashion. Like, I'm mm-hmm. super in already. Like, the Oz guys look fucking rad. Oh, they do. I don't know. I, I think I've seen a neckbeard down uh, at, at my local uh, game store with, with that Napoleon Onyx outfit on before. <laughs> like, that's a real thing that's happened in my world. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a real shame. <laughs> yeah. I mean... The Oz people are way too pretty to be neckbeards. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah, we basically have our main... What I can only assume is our main character. He looks like a main character. Yeah. Uh, and he accepts a mission and flies off, and people are mad at him because mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be uh, Hiro Yui, who pilots the Wing Gundam, who uh, is basically a child soldier. Like yeah. I don't think they, I don't, they don't really go into this episode, and I don't think they go into a, as much depth as as you'd think in the show. Basically, it's like he was raised from an early age to be like an assassin and like pilot a murder machine. All right, yeah. So like it, it's a more high tech version of modern day Africa. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. I think this awkward silence is the uh, reaction that deserved. Yeah, yeah, that's not a joke. That's just an ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that we cut to another character who is booking a hotel, like after leaving people in Egypt. <laughs> yes, yeah. Catcher, catcher, Rababa Winter. Who Excuse me. <laughs> I, I was just saying his name, Catcher Rababa Winter. God bless you. Excuse me. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, Catcher Rababa Winter of the famous Winter family. Okay. Who apparently hate their children. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be like a, a very rich, sheltered kid, and I think supposed to be Arabic, even though like doesn't look it. That's a, that's a whole other topic. Yeah, there's there's a lot of talk about like Nairobi and the garb that he's um. His guards at that point are wearing that suggests yeah, that's where the they're from. Na- but... Yeah, the Magwanakwa, which they wear a lot of fezes. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that. Had... I, there, there was a large reappearance mm-hmm. of the fez as a fashion statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're from. I don't think they ever say what what uh, Middle East country they're from. They keep that kind of ambiguous. Mm. And then they all seem to be led by like tall Wolverine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I I noticed that guy. <laughs> he has a beard on point. Um, <laughs> so I think he Catchuraba. <laughs> just Catra is just his first name. I gave his full name. Oh right, Catra. Everybody yeah, has. A... That's what I heard. I heard Catchu and God, man, it, you want to confuse uh... the heck out of me. I forget which la- it's it's four and I for- and I forget which language. All of them have number names, by the way. Huh. Fair enough. <laughs> so he goes on to a like freighter ship and has a very sp- suspicious looking truck that looks like it might almost like if you put a tarp o- over it, it might look like it was carrying some kind of mech, and it's parked next to another truck. That has a tough on it and looks like it might be carrying a mech. And then um then he meets a guy with like really, really long, like front-facing emo hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Troa Barton, who pilots the heavy arms gundam, as we'll see. The the future has a lot of really conflicting styles that are all coming together in one place. Yeah. Yeah, they they previously encountered each other in Nevisode and kind of had a they kind of had it went on a date. They made beautiful music together in one episode, literally and figuratively. Oh god, this like this is my favorite thing. Like closet gay boys like playing music together is one of my favorite things in anime because like look, it happens in the third Ava movie and that's mm-hmm. the best scene in that entire movie. 
Oh yeah, it does. is it like a is it a whole trope? It, I I don't know if I would I say know. it's a trope because it doesn't really. I don't think it appears often enough, but when it does, you can make damn sure that I notice it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like I, that might be the second most sexual scene in the show. Where there's another one where two characters in a bar and they're like have swords and like their swords are tapping each other. Again, not a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, what happens? Look, I'm gonna. But also a metaphor. I'm gonna pull this reaction from when we were speaking before this, but like, there's a lot of gay subtext in this, and I'm gonna watch this entire show to find it all. Oh, yes. <laughs> so yeah, they're on a ferry, and like, Cat is like, "Oh yeah, tr- friend Troa, we're like, why don't we work together?" And Troa's like, nah, "I'm Ebo. <laughs> I'm moody. <laughs> Therefore, yes. I need no help." Yeah, to see fucking teens. Yeah, it's true. I think. Is it, is it then we cut to the main character who has a very similar interaction with another character? And he's just like, yes. dude fawning over him, and he's just like, fine, do whatever you want. Yeah, as they're steering a, like, a giant cargo plane from, like, a military... Just after the, just so casually, like, yeah. oh yeah, we can just steal this. And look, as soon as they leave... I'm I'm gonna be really bad at names in this. Um main I'm <laughs> Oh welcome to my world, Joe. Time. Yeah, exactly. Main yeah. You give me shit. Welcome like, to my world. Main character boy just like looks across at him, sparkling eyes, and look. I don't insert these things into anime just because yeah. it suits me. This actually happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the, the character he meets is Duo Maxwell, who pilots the Death Scythe Gundam, and may also be a priest. I forget, I haven't read, like, the, the backstory man in a while. Yeah, you notice he has, like, the priest collar. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I, I think he was, like, raised in an orphanage or something. That doesn't come up in the episode, but, like, this show was a little weird. Wait, was that was that a, a priest collar? Or was that a? It just looks like a Mandarin collar to me. I thought it was just a Mandarin collar on the shirt. No, it, it's supposed to be a priest collar. There is like a. Oh, well, like he doesn't actually have a Mandarin collar, but there's like a Chinese character, so I can like understand that being confused later. But no, it's supposed to be a priest collar. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, the, the Death Scythe Gundam is the Gundam I was referring to earlier, which was my favorite Gunpla thing, and I was just like, yeah. "Oh my god, this thing!" Because it has a fucking Reaper Scythe, so it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember where we go from here. I, I, I think it's something to do with the villains, and I think it's yeah. This is I where they be- reveal that. Uh... <laughs> The worst that this is, that this... blonde hair boy is just like, yes, everything is going perfectly to plan. Yeah, this is where you reveal that like the Gundam Pirates Islands are being led into a trap where they think they're coming to this is a meeting of Oz officers, but instead it's it has a bunch of like the peaceniks from the Alliance. And it's being uh coordinated by uh by the leader uh of Oz, Trey's Kushiranada. Okay, which outfit was he wearing? Because He's that's the, how he has like the blue double-breasted uniform. Okay, Napoleonic's neckbeard guy. Yeah, got yeah, it. yeah. And he, along with his assistant, Lady Un, who is probably the most practical character in the series, to be honest. <laughs> like Trey's like does everything in metaphors and stuff, and like she's freaking just like, why don't we just kill them? You you know, um, the way she was drawn. For whatever reason, I immediately thought of Baroness from G.I. Joe, just dressed in a different outfit. Yeah. She's she's one of my favorite characters in the show, though, like, her arc gets a little weird, but when she's, it's like, anime, stone... It like, all gets a little weird. <laughs> which in, when she's in, like, stone-cold, like, glasses and, like, severe bun, like, that that is a look. Mm. Yep. But yeah, but then so I think I then I think the next scene is we go to a meeting of the alliance officers, including a um, particular oh, character. God. We're doing this. We're doing this already. Right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's start. No, bed. we had we we have to, man. This is this is going to happen whether you want it or not. This so, is part of the episode. Yeah, we have a very charismatic leader stiltedly talking about the alliance stands for peace. So let's not make guns anymore. Yes, and, uh, um... Marshal Noventa. General Septum, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. No, hold on, hold on. Uh, uh, the the Marshal, that's the guy in the white outfit, right? Yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have him listed as somehow more white power Colonel Sanders. 
I can believe that. I can see that. Yeah, yeah see, right? Like he's he, he's all clean <laughs> cut. Like, no, it's cool, you guys. Just the brown people are bad. <laughs> but he is I'm not sure that's what I got from that scene. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not the scene, it's just the way the character looks. That that's what I'm pulling from the visual imagery. I feel like this is the somehow more racist Colonel Sanders. And I know that's not the character. I watched the yeah. episode, the same damn episode you guys did. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. No, we missed a scene that we I did? was super excited to talk about. Okay. Go, 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 go. So, Trey, 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 Trey. Trey's, yeah. Trey's uh, is basically giving out orders. And then we cut to uh, in some kind of like plane or shuttle there is a crew and one of the dudes is wearing a mask oh yes i'm sorry we, we can't skip over this let's talk about zex because i immediately he uttered one line and i loved this character talking about zex marquis <laughs> yeah the red baron they're talking about obviously the whole oz thing is to perform a coup and overtake the alliance and he just in his head is just like well clearly he serves these people because he's wearing the same uh, fashion as them yes and he just says something along the lines of it really doesn't matter if one overtakes the other what's the point of fighting anymore and look i love this character already <laughs> <laughs> See what 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 I took away from 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 first meeting Zex is that he we- wears a really weird helmet, uh-huh. and no one bothers to acknowledge that he has made this fashion choice because, as far as I can tell, it's literally a fashion choice. <laughs> and like I don't know, you you meet a guy that's got like a weird helmet on in your real life. You're going to ask questions. There are questions that you have that you need to ask. Nobody does that. <laughs> Especially considering it's, you know, the military and presumably they want to, yeah. you know. <laughs> okay, what I already know about this anime, um, <laughs> it's going to break off for some kind of, oh, I'm super hot reveal. Oh, yes. Yes! Not, <laughs> not, not in this. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I, I didn't pick that episode, Joe. <laughs> oh come on man <laughs> well look I've already decided that I'm just going to watch all of this because look this is super gay right now <laughs> yeah sadly we also don't get to see his mobile suit that was like featured in the opening the tall geese which is a pretty badass mobile suit that looks like a like a centurion I'm into that yeah just throwing it out there because like someone will like what is like why didn't you talk about tall geese like tall geese isn't in this episode <laughs> I think so that's, that that literally sums up why we wouldn't have talked about it. Yeah, there you go. So I think we can cut back to the talks about making peace with the colonies because, like, there are rebel groups attacking us, and we'll just say that we want peace, and then they'll stop. Mm-hmm. But what about the mobile suits? Oh, Napa! <laughs> I've been waiting to like do that impersonation. <laughs> So I guess it's probably <laughs> worth mentioning that uh, I I asked them to watch the dub, and General Septim is the main reason why. Oh God, uh, is is that what we're about to break into? Because that's what the rest of the episode's about right now. <laughs> but Vegeta, they're using immortal metals. They're too hard to pierce. Ex- except he he leans into that where you go too throaty voice sometimes. Like he's yeah. trying to do like he's trying to be like. I think he's trying to be gruff, but at, at times you almost get that like snarf throat talk kind of thing. Very pitched up. <laughs> Are you making fun of me, damn it? <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> this fucking guy. Uh, and sometimes he almost does this. <laughs> That's how far, far, far he's trying. And I've got several questions. First of all, who was the voice actor? Was it a homeless man that they offered a sandwich and accepted? <laughs> was it an intern, perchance? <laughs> I actually don't know. I think I've checked the, the IMDB before, and it doesn't list them. It, since a lot of anime shows from the time didn't give full credits. 
Would you take full credit if you if you did that voice? No, yeah, you that's, wouldn't. What, that's what I was going to say. Because there's like a thing in Hollywood where a there is a director name that gets attached to uh, big motion pictures that the directors are too ashamed to be labeled to. I'm just assuming that this is what happened to this voice actor. It, is it Zack Snyder? <laughs> oh, it's not quite. Well, is it quite that bad? No, I'd I say know. Zack Snyder's directing is worse than this guy's voice. Oh, okay. yeah. My personal theory <laughs> is a lot of a lot of times with like Anna, particularly I think at this time when they were recording shows, they were kind of recording on a case per case basis, and they wouldn't know the full script for the show, so they might have like. He shows up in the first episode and makes a comment about stuff, and they probably just like had someone do an adi- like a weird additional voice, and then found out, oh no, this guy keeps showing up multiple episodes, so he- they had to keep doing the voice. <laughs> Thankfully, but, I mean, he really... won't be any more in any no. more episodes. Yeah, he's very hawkish. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> want to get because <laughs> 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 we're under attack with Gaul when. Gundam's made of Gundam. Most is made of Gundam. You really, you really have to watch it. Like our impressions of it just aren't doing the shit job justice. We can't be that shitty. Apparently, we don't. We don't have the ability. I forget what you guys do show notes, but there's a good YouTube clip called like the best of General Seven that has like all of his like guy best lines from the show, and it's like. I think it's only like five minutes long, but it's it's worth it. I I occasionally like watch it if I'm like feeling sad, just like just to laugh. Uh, okay, uh, I'm making a note that that'll be added to the show notes. <laughs> right. <laughs> because like everyone has to experience this voice. Jesus, you you really do. It's oh that that is one of the worst examples of voice acting I think I've ever encountered. Just like. <laughs> And my my favorite part is that because of the way the script is written, no one acknowledges that he's talking in that voice. Because I, if you ever encountered this character in your real life and he spoke to you like that, you you nobody's got that strong a poker face. There's going to be a reaction. I think these guys are all like hardened either military operatives or like negotiators so i think you're underestimating just the ability to deal with that much bullshit i don't know i know a lot of military people and they may just call you out on that bullshit they'll take the demerit (laughs) (laughs) can i can we talk about this voice acting okay in in general i mean Mm -hmm. um i made a comment about it earlier but I know, obviously, like, this isn't in the prime age of voice acting that we're in now, yeah. but... God, it's so deadpan. It's so super deadpan, very stilted, except for, apart from a few uh, exceptions. Um, yeah. This, I guess, uh, 1995 was the Japanese release, so I've got uh-huh. to assume, like, early 2000s for the dub release? Uh, no, it was, like, really late 90s, because I remember watching this in, like, like middle school or high school anime club. Okay. So it might have been, like, yeah, it might have been, like, early 2000s. So, so it's old and bad. I mean, yeah. I, only, I only bring up Timeline just because I noticed it was from 1995, and I was like, ha, I was two, I can make fun of Travis with this. Yeah, I remember <laughs> a lot of people... I was 15. ...hating, uh... Hero's voice for being extremely deadpan, and I, I think some of just like what a lot of people don't realize with a lot of like bad anime dubs is a lot of it you can check Akaban directing, and I think you, yeah. I remember like I think at a convention, uh, Mark Hildreth, he did the voice, was told like yeah, I was told not to show any emotion in my voice, so that's that's, that's something. Even in this one episode, I definitely got the idea from Hero that like he was supposed to show no emotion, like yeah, the voice acting was. Oh, how do I how do I word this? The voice acting was more purposeful with his lack of emotion than it was, for example, with like the guy leading the alliance seminar. Uh-huh. So yeah, I can definitely see like the direction being like you need to be as deadpan as possible, as boring as possible. You need to be Jin Erso. <laughs> 
Nice, nice reference there. Yeah, there you go. Nice timely reference. Mm-hmm. So I think we we can get on with the plot now. I'm I'm done ranting about yeah. this fucking guy's voice. <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 so we're spared a bit from the peace conference because there's a there's a Gundam. It's under attack. As oh, no. a hero and duo have showed up, and they are like tearing up tearing up mobile suits. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, my big critique of watching this is. Now that we're getting into a lot of the battle scenes, the battle scenes are super static. I mean, it doesn't convey any kind of frenetic pace through the animation at all. Yeah, that yeah, that's one problem with the show of this vintage is they would rely on a lot of stock footage for fights. Right. Hmm. I I I didn't really, personally watching this, because of its age, like, I didn't have a problem with any of the fight scenes, really, because, like, I guess I'm kind of attuned to the fact that animation budgets are a thing, Uh, so it's really more about, I guess, what the scene is portraying rather than the actual, like, intricate action. Like, we are spoiled in the modern day. This oh, is yeah. this is what people had to watch, and it's a lot more about kind of inferring what the scope of this battle is rather than seeing the individual animation. I know, but you know, we are, are we spoiled? I don't know that we're spoiled. It's just that this is just showing its age. I can get past it, but it. This this anime definitely shows its age. And, you know, it doesn't show it a lot of the times in the art style. Like, I feel when I go back and watch Trigun that it feels like a dated art style. Uh, this does to a point, but, like, opening credits and whatnot, it's beautiful. So, like, I don't know. I... I think there was a high level of art detail but mm, you know just it just shows its age in in the battles uh-huh. i feel like that would have to be because like the actual mobile suit designs are just like incredibly intricate so like then having to like drawing this incredible design and then having to animate it must have been difficult considering like the technology they had at the time because right now most Gundam shows recently have been mostly CG uh, and there there are problems that come along with that with regards to how it looks but I I really just kind of didn't have an issue with it at all I I was like you were able to follow the fight scenes and uh, unfortunately, James has spoiled us a little by saying that, like, there is, like, copy and pasting of entire fight scenes. <laughs> and not so much in this, se- not, not not as bad as in this series. There are, like, some Gundam shows, like, uh, particularly, like, Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed, especially Gundam Seed Destiny, where, uh, from what I understand, there were a lot of, there were a lot of, like, writer problems, so, like, they were being animated at the last minute, so you would have, like, a two-minute launch sequence, them using, like, the same, like, few moves to like do the do with the fight and then like the battle's over so like <laughs> there's a bit of that in this but like it it doesn't quite hit like as ridiculous i mean there oh, are there are... so it's a sailor moon fight yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've caught a few episodes of that so uh, i can actually uh parse and relate so yeah then uh if i remember next is uh uh, another Gundam appears in the Horizon and like lay lays a field of missiles on everybody, including a uh, duo and hero. Hmm. Yeah, just like missiles firing, and I think somewhere in there, there's like the evacuation scene where we get our favorite character once again getting special yeah. treatment. Yeah. And like... I don't understand. Why am I not going with the others? <laughs> but you said the shuttle was that way. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, when did this come out specifically? The show. Yeah. Well, well, this 
this particular episode, when did it drop? Let me look up when Gundam Wing ran on Toonami. Okay, because like, again, I know I know Zex is is Joe's favorite character, and I've got it written down here. At one point, he literally announces Resistance is futile, and I'm like, holy shit! He he quoted the Borg from Star Trek. So that that does come a bit later, like um, the main character Gundams like start getting attacked. And then it's kind of revealed this whole plot that uh, Oz has taken over Alliance bases and they're kind of falling into their hands. The Amer- yeah, the American show started airing in 2000. And according to Wikipedia, this air- episode first aired on March 14th, 2000. Okay, so th- they just grabbed a line from the Borg then a- at this point, I think. I don't know. I'm not a Trekkie. Look. Resistance is futile is a is not copyrighted by any of your shitty Star Trek fandom. So, so. people can say resistance is futile. Hold, hold on. First of all, don't I identify it as mine? <laughs> you brought it up. Wow. I'm not a Star Trek fan. I just know a thing. I, I knew you'd already thrown shade at Doctor Who. I didn't know you were you threw shade at uh, Star Trek too. Oh, uh, well that. Oh, Joe, are we gonna start doing that now too? Are we gonna piss off the entire internet? Look, I've never seen it. The only thing I've seen of Star Trek is the fucking god awful J.J. Abrams movie, and then I watched the shower scene with Benedict Cumberbatch. That's all I know of Star Trek. <laughs> I see you have your priorities. Look, there's an extended version, and it's great. <laughs> I, I have not seen those things. <laughs> anyway, God, now I'm wondering. Like, wait, I know. Like, I know. Uh, I know. Char gets a shower scene. Does I forget? Does Zex get a shower scene in the show? He might. I don't know. James, stop it. <laughs> stop it! I'm right sorry. Now. <laughs> so yeah. So wait, no. Are... Okay, important question: Does he shower with the mask on? <laughs> I, I think he takes it off. <laughs> I don't know what I'm more disappointed by. <laughs> Alright. So yeah, Gundams are attacking and the coup is going, like, at, they find out, like, the coup is going, uh, well, like, the Alliance movie finds out, like, the coup is going on and we see Zex and Noin taking on, I think, like, Nigeria, uh, Nairobi? Like, yeah. some point, yeah. I don't want to like I I was gonna say someplace in Africa, but I don't mean dismiss about like Africa, but like it's the geography of the show is kind of hard to tell. Like they will say some place, and it's not entirely clear that they are in fact in this place. Well, yeah, they do show a map which conveniently right. has a system <laughs> built in for when like yeah. our bases turn to opposing sides. Uh, Nairobi is one of like the main ones. The rest yeah. they kind of pseudo like. Yeah. reference. Like, Nairobi is the only actual world one that they make, as far as I could tell. I wish I took a screen cap and I'd see, like, which of these are replaces? Because I remember, like, paying a dish to North America and apparently, like, there's an alliance base in New Orleans, which seems like a weird spot. New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh, man. Hear, hearing to... you say that <laughs> with the accent that that you can't get rid of, <laughs> Feels a little weird. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, we we do cut to um, we do cut to Zex who is like taking over whatever base he's taking on, and Riz's view, blah blah blah, and then he starts attacking with, um, no, it's the chick he's with attacks with the mech, isn't it? Because we yeah. don't see his mech. And um, he's also piloting, he's piloting another, like, like the, uh, I think this, that suit is like the Ares, where it, it's a, it's a flying suit where its head looks like, like a Top Gun helmet. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and big um, jet engines on the shoulders. Again, like his, um, you just said her name and like. Noin. Noin, that's it. Um, yeah. And she again, like, makes this weird kind of existential comment about bloodshed, and I'm starting to think that maybe Zex and Noin are kind of a part of, uh, like, 
separated from uh, Oz's entire politics thing. <laughs> yes, they 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 get, they are kind of complex. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And did I mention? I forget whether I mentioned this on the recording. Like this show, maybe a little pretentious with some of its uh, politics. <laughs> Just a little. Maybe Trey's may, com- may, may compare himself to God at one point in the show. Oh dear. Oh dear. So the Beatles at one point. So it's all right. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, but the Beatles didn't cause a world war. Or did they? Okay, so I think I think if I remember correctly, next. Next point, we go back to uh, the main base the Gundams are attacking, and a shuttle launches out, and uh, they on their targeting computer, they see big, big old Oz logo. So Hero, like, transforms his Gundam into, like, uh, kind of jet wave rider bird mode, flies over, and, trans- and like, you know, it's like, oh, I'm glad we're getting away from this fight, and then, you know, see giant Gundam with giant laser sword, or beam saber, <laughs> or for which Novendra says, like, now, don't be rash, young man. Yes! He's <laughs> <laughs> just, like, chiding him as, like, Hero cuts the wing off the thing. <laughs> and then they all died. The end. Yes. In an explosion. The end. Oh, I forgot. I actually made a specific timestamp note. When, like, the Gundams are all meeting each other, they all, like, are kind of, like, stunned, like... Is that another Oz mobile suit? It kind of looks like ours, even though they're clearly, you know, they don't look like anything. The Oz mm. is like, you have, like, generic mono-eye green suit, then you have, like, fancy things with, like, you know, samurai-looking helmets and stuff. I wonder if that's an Oz mobile suit. Because <laughs> the pilots are kind of dumb. I see. It's appearing that way. Yeah. And then we, of course, cut to the shuttle with uh, Trey's and Septim and Time from the Dragon go, Marshal Noventa! Uh, uh. <laughs> oh yeah, Marshal Novent or er, 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 Vente, wasn't it? Marshal Vente. Marshal Novente appearing at a Starbucks. This uh, that, that, that's just it. He's he's the the leader of the Starbucks squad. Starbucks squad coming soon to Gundam near you. See, and I think at this, I forget at this point. Do we get the speech, or do we get, like, uh, Wufei showing up with uh, the, the the flamethrower? I forgot about the flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> um, I believe it is the speech, but I could be entirely wrong. Nope, yes. I'm voting for the speech, too. Okay, so yeah, so then they cut to a speech, and they have General Septim giving a full speech. I'm not, I'm not going to do my impression of speech, because I forget. It's not quite as funny, and it's a long thing, where he gives this whole speech about how the colonies declared war, and and how they slaughtered all the alliance officers, and how they need to fight back and stand up, and like gives like a very expensive. It's basically like declaring war, you know, war on the colonies. Yeah, there's like this big propaganda piece because they attacked yeah. like his best friend, Colonel mm-hmm. Starbucks. Yes. Uh, and then I think his duties are relieved, or he's relieved of his duties. <laughs> yes, Lady Un tells him an excellent performance, and then dispatches him in, um, which one of you wants to describe what happens? Okay, so, they open up the door of whatever shuttle they're flying in, and Septum just... <laughs> He makes the weirdest death noise. <laughs> He's what? Just gets out of this thing. What? Ah! <laughs> oh god! It was one of the genuinely most satisfying death scenes I've seen in a good. good that's life. because the voice acting is awful. Oh, but that's not all of the death scene. You're forgetting a part. No, there, there's a thing after. You know, you got to be sure the impact won't come. You got to you got to make sure he's dead to be sure. Wait, did I forget them to a flyby and shoot this guy? <laughs> no, no, no. You, what you're forgetting is Lady Un like takes a like a, like a pistol, shoots him in the head as he's falling in the sky. <laughs> Can't be too sure. I'm sorry. I'm. I think I was away from my computer doing laps around the room at that point. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, not only is he dropped out of like the back of an airplane, which I should note, they have like the table he's broadcasting on the like chair set on this ring. Yeah. So they must have like rigged this up in advance, <laughs> knowing they're gonna do this. <laughs> and she like stands up and shoots him. And I think that that might be when she says like an excellent performance. Yeah. Perhaps he's wondering why he would shoot a man before throwing him out of the plane. <laughs> oh, Joe, did we just get you doing Bane voice? Look, I rarely get an opportunity. <laughs> you know what? You want a Bane ra- rap right, right, right now. I really Let's don't. Let's go. I think we should get through this. <laughs> so, after that, after uh, top, te- t- top 10 status anime deaths moments... <laughs> right, right up there with the fe- Festival of Friendship. <gasps> oh my god. No, don't. I'm gonna cry. Sorry. <laughs> Cut back to the battlefield where the Gundams are fighting each other because... Because when suddenly, like, a flamethrower, like, goes in the middle of them. And we have, like, our fifth Gundam pilot who has not showed up in the episode. Uh, whose name is Wufei, who pilots the Shenlong Gundam, which has a dragon head. It's If, if, if you've seen, like, arms which, like... Uh, Min Min with a noodle arm. That's basically mm-hmm. this Gundam, except with, like, flamethrowers. Oh, it sounded more rad until yeah. you described it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so on board with t- Shenlong, and then it disappeared. <laughs> That's a very specific reference, Travis. It is. But he tells them that they've all been tricked, and they, hmm. they've all been tricked that uh, they killed all the peace officers, and, gu- and Hero, like, in a moment of actual genuine emotion, he's like, what did I do? <laughs> Stares at his hands. Yeah. I will admit, like, I'm a little sad that this is all we get through Wufei, because Wufei is also kind of a ridiculous character. He is kind of like this, like, tiny, tiny, tiny Steven Seagal, and it's also kind of super sexist. Like, there's literally one episode where he's, like, fighting, like, Noin. He's, like, kind of impressed. He's like, huh, a woman! <laughs> Woman of the week. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, ve- then... I veto this character. <laughs> <laughs> also, in a moment of angst, he yells at some hyenas. Again, not a metaphor. A thing that actually happens. <laughs> Gund- Gundam's if... weird, you guys. <laughs> I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> we cut to Relina Dorlin, who... I'm so sad that this is all our appearance in that, because, like, I have so much to say about Relina who is, like, preparing a vase on, like, a, a balcony of an upper room for some reason. Tur- only, it's it's a symbolic vase. Its only purpose is for her to, like, turn around and, like, see the news. See Hero on the screen, because she knows Hero's identity. Hence why that why Hero wants to kill her, like... Right. Right, in the first episode. Fair. And then knocks the vase so it can fall and shatter on the ground. Again, mm-hmm. only there for symbolism. Is she a princess? Uh, yes, yeah, she actually is a secret princess. She has the look about her of a prince, yeah. of an anime princess. Yeah, she is, <laughs> she's raised by an ambassador, but then you see, find out that she's actually secretly Relina's Peacecraft, the Peacecraft family. <laughs> Peacecraft. That's <laughs> yes, a very different past- thing to Lovecraft. That's a, that's the worst name. <laughs> yeah, there were a bunch of pacifists who, like, their country got, like, rolled over because they're just like, we shouldn't be fighting, and they're like, "LOL, we're taking over your country." So they took the dumb fiction version of pacifism. I like oh, it. Oh, oh, god, yes. <laughs> no, it's no, it's Gundam is generally on like the war is bad, but this one gets a little ridiculous with it. Mm. And, and this is speaking as someone who like does, you know, I, I, I am a pacifist. I think war is bad, and even then, just like I think you guys are laying it on a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't we didn't talk about the opening but can yeah. we just like hit the yeah. I want to hit the opening ending and the general like soundtrack. Okay. All right. I think, yeah. I think that's all the plot in that episode. Yeah, yeah. Pretty At least much. that's all I remember in my gin addled brain. Yeah. <laughs> so, um Travis, I think you had some words about the opening. Yes. I do. I, I literally, I don't know what the actual title is, but after having listened to it, uh, let's see, I retitled it 80s Coke-Fueled uh, Dance Club Pop Dream. That it, sounds about right. It was 80s as hell. Even, like, the entire soundtrack had this kind of, like, 
late 80s like action movie vibe to it like that except for the scar the there was like a shitty scar that started <laughs> off the battle oh my god yeah as they were murdering people there's like <laughs> this like scar bit oh yeah <laughs> the music good. is a is a high point uh i mentioned the stream but like the music's done by a composer named kao otani who does a lot of uh anime shows and also did uh, shadow of the colossus which is absolutely bonkers to me. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? Uh, the, the other note I have on the soundtrack is uh, there was a scene in between when we get our opening and our ska battle music, which, again, is fucking weird. <laughs> um, and the note is softcore porn. Because, yeah. like... I think I know the one you're talking about. I, yeah. I, th- I think you do, too. We're, we're, we're looking over a mech, and I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure that I saw boobies to a Skinamax late-night film to that exact soundtrack at some point in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the same thing that, that plays during the uh, or previously mentioned sword tapping scene. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I should say the opening is by uh, a J-pop group called Tumix, which I don't know too much of, other than like I was googling them, and apparently they made a cameo in an episode of Def- Detective Conan. It's kind of weird. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I can look at a picture afterwards, but like I found like an anime version like done in Detective Conan. Like I guess they appeared in an episode of that show. I mean, there's like a million episodes of it, so I can believe it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that is true. I I have no clue what you're talking about. So there we go. Yeah, I think we might have mentioned this pre-recording, but like both the ending and the opening have the kind of hallmarks that we've discussed in earlier episodes of just like very, very high quality um, where maybe. Absolutely. But everything that we discussed about it, I'm pretty sure was off mic, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I just I just wanted to put that one out there because like, oh, this is a very 90s show. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, God, it's nineties as heck. Oh, that's right, I forgot. I think like the main, like the 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 female voice of Tumix is also Conan's voice actor from that show. I might be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, I do I do not know this show. Yeah. I have it's no funny. reference to pull from. We'll drop you right in the middle of Conan at episode uh, seven hundred thirty four. You, you can watch any the episode fuck? of Conan. It, it doesn't matter. It's it's a mystery show. So plot, there is a plot to Detective Conan. It is completely irrelevant to Detective Conan. And and before and actually no, I won't. I won't explain Detective Conan. Uh, no. Travis. I'll let him like have whatever image he has, even though I'm guessing it's probably wrong. So let's talk about the ending. We want to talk about like Relina Safari. Yeah, this 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 one woman. <laughs> She she certainly shows up a lot. Yeah. Do you know that it was, that ending was not part of like the original Tanami version? That does not surprise me in yeah. any way. Yeah, they instead they played like an instru- they played an instrumental version of like the the main opening. So like I had no idea this was the ending till like I saw it on DVD and I was just mm. like what's this? <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone want to take a crack at describing what happens during this ending sequence? Oh, boy. Nope, I'm out. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, buddy. I, I have to abstain. James, please, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we bowed out. We're shitty hosts. Okay, it's basically Relina goes on a safari and, like, messes around some animals, including, like, at one point, like, manhandling two lions, which seems like a bad idea. Uh-huh. <laughs> Strikes some super dramatic poses while wearing, like, an explorer's helmet. It, it's weird. It, it doesn't really fit the show. It's beautifully animated, but, like, it's weird. At one point, she pulls, like, a rhinoceros's tail, and, like, again, that seems like a bad thing to do. Yep. It's basically bad ideas, but it's beautifully animated. <laughs> Steve, Steve Irwin, the female anime version. Oh God, no! Girl, <laughs> <laughs> like, like really, occasionally makes bad choices. Where like she, uh, in an earlier episode, she finds a compact that's left by Lady Un that's suspiciously placed. And, like, 
oh, I think you dropped. He's like, you fool. And she like tosses us up into a building where it explodes because it's a bomb. Oh, God. Any bad guy that says you fool is immediately the best. <laughs> the show is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's Gundam Wing. It is. I think we've covered most of the episodes of the show. Uh, I think I don't know if, if there's anything I've mentioned. Oh, I guess I forgot to should like tab on like for like people who think we're like exaggerating the subtext. This is literally the show that introduced me to the concept of shipping. Yeah, yeah. I um. <laughs> oh God, like that. There are a lot of scenes in this. There are a lot of like boys fawning over other boys. And then not getting that reciprocated. That I'm sure sends a lot of people's imaginations running wild. <laughs> I think I remember reading a quote from the director where people like Asso like, like there's an intended romance between Rowena and Hero, which doesn't really work on the show. Like they don't really have a lot of good chemistry. And I think like someone asked the director, was like I, and he basically had said I don't have a lot of experience liking romances, so I just like wrote them and like let people think what they will. And boy, did he ever. I mean, <laughs> at least he's honest about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But no, that that, that was a trip. Um, yeah. Can we get final thoughts? Uh, James, what was it like re-watching this? <laughs> it's... I have so many memories of this show. I've only watched it completely through, like, one or two times. But, like, I, I do like to revisit, like, certain parts. And this is... I remember, like, watching this as, like, oh, God, like, I would have been, like, 15 or so at the time, and thinking, like, oh, my God, this is the deepest show. Oh, <laughs> no. So complex. Oh, no. No. Oh, <laughs> I know, buddy. I'm a kid. <laughs> I mean, I think before that, like, the deepest show was, like, Robotech. It's like, oh, wow, it's, like, all this complex political sh- It's like watching an adult show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd compare it to Game of Thrones, but like obviously that show didn't exist, and I wasn't reading those books. But like, mm. yeah. But mostly, it's actually kind of bonkers. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could have shown the scene where uh, this infamous scene, which sadly no one has a full clip of on YouTube, where uh, in the first episode where Relina tries to invite Hero to her birthday party, and he takes the invitation. Rips it up, lets it dramatically blow away the wind, and goes up to him and says, "I'll kill you." Or if you were watching the original, the original tsunami version, "I'll destroy you," because <laughs> you can't say "kill" on the TAM television. You can't say "kill" on TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I have seen that scene, and it is one of the funniest things to watch out of context. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh. But no, like I was saying, uh, Travis, what what were your kind of overall thoughts on this? My overall thoughts on this. First of all, just because a homeless man will do some voice acting for a sandwich <laughs> does not mean that you... Just give him the sandwich, don't make him do the voice acting. We could have been a lot better off if somebody had chosen differently for Saptum. So there's my first initial shot across the bow. Uh, second, I know it's not it it's a product of its time and it shows when it was produced with the 90s for me because i am spoiled like you had said that we are spoiled now but most of the stuff we end up watching is a lot more modern than than gundam so a lot of the action sequences didn't feel actiony at all it was slow which is fine if we want to make this more political thriller and that's fine but cut down on the battle scenes then, because that just feels like filler now. I, I wish I could. Maybe I'll have to put that in, in the queue for later. Wait, you watch uh, Gundam: uh, The Eighth MS Squad, which is one of my personal favorites. Which is basically Gundam in Vietnam, Gundams in Vietnam, and I remember the the fi- like the final fight from that being like particularly well animated because I think that was like I don't. It was on a higher budget. I don't think it was like exactly OAV budget, but it was like a much more limited episode budget and that one has much more fluid animation. Oh, okay. Hmm. It's not even an animation quality. It's just the fight scenes are, they don't feel like they move hardly at all. It's flaring guns and there might be every once in a while, one of them will slowly slice another one in half. 
Which is rad to watch, but it just doesn't feel very dynamic. One more thing about General Septim. Would you believe he has a family on this show? Yes. Uh, powerful I people bet his can, sounds can... just as fucking awful. She probably sh- sounds like Marge Shot. Uh, <laughs> Joe, do you know who that is? Yes, I do. Oh, wow. Because I know of Billy West. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Marge shot. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god, that's my entire canon for this family. He has like six kids, <laughs> and they oscillate between those like six voices. Oh, I. Oh my god, can someone pitch a sitcom where it's just like that family, and then one of them goes through puberty and has a normal voice occasionally? <laughs> Oh, so we're doing, like, the Lily from the Monsters thing, where, like, the one normal one's the freak? Yes! (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's do that show instead of this. That sounds better. Let's watch that. Mm. Mm. That sounds like way more effort. Yeah. So, I guess in closing, my general thoughts is... The way James pitched this to me was that it was going to be bonkers and, like, someone's voice was going to be weird. And I found myself, like, just... I'm not sure if curious is the right word, because I think I have enough information about, like, Alliance Oz, that sort of thing. But I just found it, like, really stupid, campy fun. And I, like, with hearing stuff about, like, a lot of gay baiting, like, I just want to watch this whole show, and that's really bad. <laughs> yeah, oh god, I didn't even talk about, like, how, like, like, Troa nearly sacrificed himself to keep, to, like, keep Kasha from killing Hero. <gasps> that's the thing that happens later. That's so and cute. it's very sad, it, like, snaps, like, Catra out of, like, a fit of madness. <laughs> uh, but no, I genuinely enjoyed this episode um i it's it really is that kind of oh too deep for me like political stuff like this is simple stuff like ideas of pacifism and what have you but man there's just something so inherently gleeful about this show at least the one episode that i got to watch And I, I think, I think we're kind of wrapping up. So um, yeah, Travis, do you want to do that thing, and then we'll hit business? Like I now just realised that we're cutting from original formula with guests, but let's do it normally. Okay. Travis, do the thing. I will do my thing. Next time on WTF Anime. Okay, so. Uh... My pick for next episode is, uh, so Gundam Wing, Gundam is like an episode of like the real robot show. So I figured like go for like a super anime, a super robot show, also kind of a similar Toonami show. A, a show that dares to ask, what if Batman had a giant robot? I'm going to suggest Big O, The Big O, episode 12, Enemy is Another Big. Oh, uh, I, I have no context for this, but whatever. Fuck it. I'll watch it. Well, n- now you have to. Yeah, and my only recommendation, I grew up watching the dub, but I don't have a strong opinion either way, though, but I do recommend, like, try to track down a version that has the original opening, because I've heard that they, like, at least on the Blu-ray release, they've they've had to, like, pull for right reasons. The original opening is kind of amazing. Okay. It's like, do you like Queen? You'll probably like the original Big O opening. Okay, Uh, I'm in. Yeah. Like, just done. Easy. So let's go to business. So if you would like to follow the show, we are on Twitter at WTF Anime Show. And you can email us on WTF Anime Show at gmail.com. If you would like to send us recommendations for anime we can cover, be like James and like come on and have us laugh at your favorite anime. Uh, and you can do a guest on the show because... Uh, Hey, we really enjoy doing these episodes and we really like interacting with people that we have on Twitter and that have never met and then we talked for 30 minutes. Yeah, um, at least. It's then, way more uh, than 30 minutes at this point. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, as always, you can contact me on Twitter at the Joe Hadfield. Uh, Travis, where can they find you? Oh, you can reach me on Twitter at Dice Lobber. D i c e l o b b e r. Uh, and uh, of course, James, thank you so much for coming on. This was a really fun episode. <laughs> You're very welcome. I'm I'm glad it got a lot uh, got a lot of uh, laughs and conversation. <laughs> you know what we we ought to we ought to give him a shout out if you want to talk to uh, James. Uh, where are we reaching you, bud? Oh yeah, you can find me on uh, Discord underscore Inc at Twitter. Uh, I'm not on a lot of other social media. Like I usually do a lot of talking on Twitter. Sometimes retweeting a bunch of art. Occasionally, like talking about like my move. Although hopefully that'll finish soon. <laughs> yes. Good luck on the move. Yeah, uh, I'm glad it's you and not me. <laughs> I know we've dragged you away from moving boxes. <laughs> actually, depending on how far you are ahead, I could actually be done by the time this airs. Well, there you go. This will be a nice celebration for you to settle into your new home and there you go. Listen to yourself <laughs> and two drunk Crack- idiots. Yeah, crack a fine bottle of malt liquor and relax and enjoy the sounds. Yeah. There is no fine bottle of malt liquor. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, th- I think with that incredible final joke from Travis, uh, we can say goodbye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Mission complete. Ha 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 ha!